prayer really work? Can prayer actually change our real-world situations? Is it okay for us to set prayer goals? Things we want to achieve and then pray and ask God to help us get there? Or is that a selfish way to pray? Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Prayer Changes So, prayer changes things, and prayer changes us, and today we've already prayed. If you uh, were one of the people who held up one of those little connect cards, please write that, write your prayer request and your details on that and, and hand that in to us. We want to, as a staff team and, and even as a prayer team, we want to pray with you and for you, even though today we were encouraging you to pray for yourself, to stand and ask God for the request that you want yourself, um, rather than just rely on somebody else praying for you. We wanted you to begin to take a step of faith and you to begin to pray. But I want you to remember that a couple of weeks ago, one of the passages of Scripture uh, that we looked at said, if two or more people agree about anything they are asking their Heavenly Father about, it will be done. And so you have prayed, you have stood today, you have prayed for whatever that need is that you've got in your life. If you write it down, you write those details down, we are also going to pray over those prayer requests. We're going to pray the prayer of agreement with you. And uh, I just believe that God uh, delights to answer the prayers of his people, God, really, God gets a kick out of surprising us. Have any of you parents ever, you know, bought, surprised your kid with something, maybe bought them a present they weren't expecting or something like that? And, you know, they were really excited about it when they discovered it, you know, for five minutes. Uh, you probably got more out of the experience than they did. Have you ever noticed, especially when the kids are younger, at Christmas time, you buy them these expensive toys on Christmas, and like they play with them for half the day, and then they play with the boxes or stuff afterwards. You should just have bought them a bunch of cardboard boxes or uh, to build some. So usually the parent gets more out, more joy out of seeing their children blessed. And you need to have an image in your mind that God is not a distant judge, but an ever-present, loving Father who delights to see His children blessed. And so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the topic of how prayer changes things. And we looked at a number of passages of Scripture which show us, and even from the teachings of Jesus himself, where he told us that if we pray and we believe when we pray, that our prayers will be answered. That prayer and the prayer of faith can heal people. It can move mountains that are blocking our path. It can turn impossible situations around. That prayer is when we kind of like open up this world, inviting the divine intervention, the direct intervention of God 
into the, the affairs of our life so that things change. Now then, last week, we looked at how prayer changes you. Because I think we all know uh, it is good for us to be inspired and it's good for us to get excited about the fact that prayer can change things. It's really important for us to find promises in the Scripture. We've just sung about it. Find promises in the Scriptures where God promises to meet the need that you have. You can read that promise. It is given to you because as we just sung and as it says in the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it is, it says, no matter how many promises God has made, all of the promises God has made. It doesn't matter whether those promises were made to individuals or groups, whether those promises are in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It says all the promises of God now belong to those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So through him, we can say, amen, so be it, let it happen, I believe it, I receive it, I name it, I claim it, it's mine, God's given it to me, it's a gift, I'm not demanding of God something he doesn't want to give, I am joyfully accepting the free gift of all the promises of God that he has, that he has promised in scripture, they now belong to us who are in Christ Jesus. So there's good stuff in there, people. I mean, it's better than your fortune cookie. You know, you open the fortune cookie and it says, you know, uh, you will come into money this week. And then you, and then of course, it, there's no authority behind it. Somebody just printed them someplace. They're not even Chinese. They were invented in America. I mean, it's not even authentic, you know? The, it's, it, the cookie tastes like cardboard. The lucky numbers in the back of the paper have never worked for me. But then I go to the Word of God, and I open it, and I find, find out that when I am anxious, He promises to give me the peace of God that passes all understanding. When I am confused about what to do, he promises to be my shepherd who will lead and guide me along the right path for my life. When I am sick or in pain, he promises that the prayer of faith shall heal the sick person. When I feel guilty because I've committed sins, he promises that if I will just confess my sins to him, he will forgive me. There's so many promises in the word of God that belong to us who are in Christ, and we need to read them, we need to believe them, we need to receive them, and we need to let them inspire our faith so that when we pray, we are praying with confidence that things are going to change. Now, then there's other situations. What about those other situations 
where you've been praying about something for a long, long time, and it could be something that somebody else's uh, will is involved in it. You're praying for, for a kid that's gone astray or something like that, and you're praying that God will change their life, but they've still got their own free will and their rebellious attitude and that. You know, very often there are things, you know, like maybe you don't like the prime minister and you, you want to pray that that. God takes them to China or something like that. And go, you know, I mean, there, there are things that you can pray about that you don't have total control over. Other people are involved in it. And that is when you need prayer to change you. You need to, you, maybe you need to become a more patient person. Maybe you need to, to become a wiser person. Maybe you need to uh, be more steadfast. Maybe you need to let go of the need to control things because sometimes we even use prayer as a tool to try and control other people's behavior. And Jesus said that true faith is not us trying to correct everybody else and sort their lives out. It's about us dealing with our own lives It's not about us going about trying to take the speck out of everybody else's eye. It's about us finding the big plank that's in our own eye and getting it out. And so there are times when we realize that we are praying wrong, that we are striving in prayer, that we are kind of, uh, I, I think I called it a couple of weeks ago, a prayer panic, you know, like a panic attack in prayer. You know, it's like, we need to change this really quick. And then you realize that your prayers are actually reflecting the fact that inside you are unstable. You are not grounded. You are um, not at peace. You are not fully trusting that God knows what he's doing and that he will work out the end. He knows the end from the beginning and the in-between bit might look like a bit of a mess. You know, you might have been in pastures green and you might be going to a banqueting table, but in between those two places, you have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And so sometimes there is a long period of time where it's like things are not changing. They are not shifting the way I would like them to. And so that's when prayer changes you. That's when the scriptures say, if you lack wisdom, you can pray, you can ask God, and he will give you wisdom. You will become a wiser person. You know, Jesus uh, said, there might be times when you're in legal difficulties, and uh, you, you get into a situation, you're going to be dragged before the courts, and you get into a mental situation where you're panicking in advance, and you're trying to work out all the words you're going to say. And Jesus said, don't do that, because my Father will give you the words to say. It won't be you speaking, it will be the Holy Spirit speaking. Just be at peace. Pray and ask for you to be at peace, for you to have a sense of trust, for you to be grounded. And so there's a kind of tension between these two things. Sometimes it is right that we pray that the circumstances will change. Other times it is right that we pray that God will change us that God will mature us, that he will grow us into the kind of people that are able to 
live the life that we've got. Because sometimes what we are trying to do in prayer is this. It's like, um, you know, as you're maturing spiritually, God gives you a little bit more responsibility. And then he gives you a little bit more responsibility. And then he gives you a little bit more. And then you decide you like life better when you were just a little baby being bottle fed and you didn't have any responsibilities. And you're trying to give all your responsibilities back to God again in prayer. But he wants prayer to change you so you become a more grounded, a more centered, a more peace-filled, faith-filled, trusting person with wisdom who is not perturbed by the issues of life and that you're changed and grown mature so that you're able to handle a bigger life. You know, a lot of people pray for a bigger life. Oh Lord, I pray that, you know, I pray the prayer of Jabez that my business would expand. I pray that we would get this and we'd get that and the next thing. And you're praying for a bigger life, but if you want a bigger life, you have to be a bigger person. You know, if, if um, uh, I saw this TV show on uh, 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 the world's strongest man, I didn't see the show, I just saw it advertised, and I saw these guys like lifting up things and they had... They had like chairs on the end with like six people sitting on either side and they're trying to, and there was this guy that was built like a tank. I mean, he was a big dude. You'd have thought he could have lifted anything. And he lifted this thing up and then he said, my back just popped, you know. And uh, I thought about that and I was looking at that and I thought, imagine we had that guy on the stage here. We had this big guy that was built like a tank and me, who's only built like an armored car, slightly smaller than a tank, and we put these giant weights here, he has developed his muscles to an extent that it would be easy for him to do it. But I might only make it through the first service if I try to lift those weights as well. I might pop more than just my back. Because if I want to if I want the ability to lift heavier weights, I need to be a stronger person. And it's the same spiritually and emotionally and mentally. Inwardly, God wants to change you and develop you into a stronger person. Now, how do you know then when you should be praying to change things and when you should be praying to change you? Well, this is attention that you will have throughout your life. And what you'll find out is the longer you're a Christian, that your prayer life will evolve and adapt and change as your life changes, as the circumstances of your life change, as your relationship with God grows, as your understanding of Scripture grows, so your prayer life will morph and change. And um, there will be times when you will have prayed, your prayer life will look a particular way for a period of time, and it might be like that for a long time. And then things in your life might change, and you're your faith may grow and your outlook on the world may change. And as a result, you might find yourself starting to pray differently. And that doesn't mean you've abandoned the old way. What it means is, imagine you're like a a carpenter or something and you're wearing one of these belts with all the tools in it. It's kind of like you start off as an apprentice with with a belt. 
and you've got one chisel in it or something like that. That's all you've got. You've got one prayer. Help, God, help. You know, whenever you're in trouble, a little cry prayer. And then you find out a few more things and you gain new tools. And as you go through life, you eventually end up with a belt filled with prayer tools. Now there, and so there may have been one that at one point in your, in your life you used a lot. But at other times you use it less, but you always have it for, for when you need it. And so my point today is that prayer, it not only changes things and changes you, but prayer will change as you change. As your life changes and as you continue to mature spiritually, you will notice that your prayer life changes. And here's one of the things. Sometimes when people's prayer life changes, they get a little bit concerned. They think that, um, you know, maybe I'm not as committed as I used to be or maybe I'm backslidden or something like that because uh, maybe they used to set, set aside a set time every day and they, they had a list of things that they prayed about and, they pray, and maybe things have changed now in their life and now they, they, they don't do that very often. They don't keep that set time. They don't follow that prayer list. They're more maybe... Um, maybe you take the dog a walk, you know, um, through the woods or along the riverside. And while you're doing that, you're, you're, you're praying in nature. And you're, I, I do that quite a lot. It's embarrassing when you turn the corner and you walk right into somebody else with a dog and you're praying out loud. But I decided a long time ago to go over my embarrassment. In fact, I discovered that if I'm going to pray out loud while I'm walking the dog, it's helpful to pray in tongues. Because any passerby just thinks I'm a foreigner and I'm talking to the dog. And they, do, they just walk on by, hello, and they walk on past, you know. And so you may, you may find that you, as your relationship with God morphs and changes and develops, so your prayer life will. Now, like everything else, it is good to learn the rules before you break the rules, you know? It's good to have a system before you develop, before you kind of launch out of it. And so I would encourage every one of you, wherever you currently are at in your Christian faith, I would encourage every one of you to find a method of prayer that works for you. Don't try to adopt a method of prayer that works for somebody else but doesn't fit you. Uh, that's like trying to, trying to wear somebody else's clothes, but they're a different size than you are. They'll either be too tight or too baggy. You, know, you want to find something that fits you. For some people, it is setting aside a, a set time every day, maybe first thing in the morning or last thing at night before they go to bed. For other people, it might be three, day, three times a week they do it and they set aside time. For other people, they may find that they pray better when they're with a couple of friends or family members. They're, they pray better when they're praying out loud with people. There's other people that find that they pray better when they're on their own. You find the method of prayer that works for you, and you can have that as your default prayer method, the one that you would use uh, unless you feel led to do something else. So have a method of prayer that works for you 
but never turn it into a religious ritual that you have to keep to. You, your goal is not to become a religious person, it's to grow in your personal relationship with God. So have that default prayer method, something that you know works for you, that you can enjoy. If you really enjoy praying for 15 minutes, but you've met somebody who prays for an hour, don't pray for an hour because they do and be bored. Pray for 15 minutes and be fulfilled you know, and then develop as you are developing. And so I have a default prayer method, and I'm going to show you. I've got a little prayer book here. It's just a little journal. I saw it in a shop somewhere, and it said, believe on the cover. So I bought it. And what I've done is I have, first of all, I've typed out biblical prayers, prayers from the Bible. I've taken them out, I've taken them from the Bible, and I've typed them, and I, and I, I read them out loud. And, um, and so I've got some from the book of Psalms, that I've, and I've put them in the first person. You know, um, one of the Psalms says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Well, I've put it in the first person. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. So I've got some biblical prayers there. Then after that, I've divided my days. I've divided, like, I've just done it five days a week. Um, I've given myself the weekends off. So I have uh, divided my... Uh, the five days of, the, of Monday to Friday into particular issues. Monday is the church, and uh, um, I've got prayers that I'm praying about, about the church. Here's Wednesday is about my own spiritual growth. And so what I've done is I put, I, I put some prayer goals on Monday to do with the church, and then I cut out lots of pictures and when I stuck these pictures here, we had a silly little video screen here, and we didn't have many lights, and we didn't have many people. So I stuck pictures of awesome-looking churches, um, and uh, crowds of people, and, uh, and, and we only had like three people on the staff when I stuck this on. So I, I stuck a picture there of the most awesome-looking group of people that were going to be our staff, you know? And I stuck Bible verses there as well. And then I put, I've, I put some prayers that I pray regularly. I've done the same for every area. I mean, I've got a blank check here with a large sum of money written on it because I'm expecting somebody to send me that anytime. And um, there's my new kitchen. It's not manifested yet, but it's on its way in Jesus' name, okay? And so... Um, I, I use this as a default method of prayer, but I don't slavishly stick to it. What I do is I start, I'll start using that to start me up, to kind of warm my engine up. That's my remote starter for prayer. I start praying these prayers and praying these scriptural affirmations and, and things, and it gets my mind on a particular subject, and then I just leave it, and I go off, and I just allow myself to pray freely and spontaneously, because all that does is warm up my spiritual engine, and then, it, and, and then I go further and further after that. So I would encourage you to have a default method of prayer that works for you, 
but also develop an inner sensitivity, an intuition to the fact that sometimes you will feel led to pray for a miracle that will change circumstances in your life or in somebody else's life. And at other times, you will, be, you will feel led to pray that you will become a more mature, a more strong, stronger, a faith, more faith-filled person, a wiser person, uh, a person who's able to handle the situations that life deals to you. And so be sense. And, and other times, you might be led to just drop that prayer list altogether and go off and pray about something else entirely. So what I want to do now is I want to just show you a few verses of Scripture that talk about um, some extra tools that you can put in your prayer tool belt so that as your faith changes and your prayer life morphs and evolves, that you will have these tools to use. So my first one is this, what happens if you don't know what to pray about? If somebody calls you up with some urgent problem and you don't know what to pray about at all, well, one of the tools that God has given us is the gift of tongues. First Corinthians, you can put it back up. First Corinthians chapter 14. God has given us a tool, the ability to pray in tongues. Now, for anyone here that doesn't know what the gift of tongues is, the gift of tongues is when somebody prays in a language that they have never learned. Um, the words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it tells us in the Bible that sometimes it could be human languages that you're praying that you've never learned, um, uh, or sometimes it can be heavenly languages, the tongues of men or of angels. So it can be a heavenly prayer language. And I've spoken about this before, I've mentioned, I don't, I'm not going to show you all today, but I've mentioned before about scientific tests that have been done, and I showed you a video once of a, a, a brain surgeon that did these tests on people, wired their brains up, and got them to just speak normally, and as they spoke normally, the speech center in their brain lit up. And then he said to them, okay, change to praying in tongues now. And when they would change to praying in tongues, the speech center in their brain would go silent. And the doctor said, I don't know where these words are coming from. All I know is they're not coming from the human brain. The people themselves say the words are coming from the Holy Spirit. And I can't prove that, but I can't disprove it either. And it sounds like the best explanation that I can come up with, he said. So God can give us the words to pray about things that we don't even understand fully. I mean, look at this. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. If, I, if you want to lift weights, you need to build yourself up physically. If you want to be able to carry the weight of responsibility in life that God is calling you to, you need to build yourself up spiritually. I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues. For if I am praying in a tongue, my spirit is engaged in prayer. But I have no clear understanding about what is being said. 
So here's what I've concluded. I will pray in the spirit in tongues, but I will also pray with my mind engaged in whatever your normal language is. Um, I will sing rapturous praises in the spirit, but I will also sing with my mind engaged. I will use both of those tools, he's saying. And so there is another tool that we can use when we don't know what to pray about. Okay, what about when I don't feel worthy to pray? What if I'm going to pray about something and I feel guilty all the time? Well, our next passage, 1 John, tells us this. It says, we are confident when we stand before God. Church, if there's one thing I want to kind of, if I could get a syringe and inject this into you and and you would like have it in your system, it would be confidence in prayer. Be confident when you come to God in prayer. It says that we should be confident. But one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people is, I, don't, I feel guilty. I don't feel holy enough. You know, I lost my temper with the kids last night. And I just don't, I feel so bad I can't pray, you know, and, and so on. But it says here, we are confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings. Guilt is just a feeling. Your sins have been forgiven. You know, and if they haven't, ask and you shall receive. And they can be forgiven. God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive whatever we ask from him. Because we obey him and do the things that please him. And what is obeying him? This is his commandment. That we must believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he has commanded. And so this is saying here that if you're free from all guilt, if you're free from all condemnation, you can go to God with great confidence in prayer. But if you feel unworthy, not holy enough, not spiritual enough, sinful, guilty, this tells us God is greater than your feelings. That is just your feelings. That's feelings come and feelings go, but God's promises remain the same forever. So, Here's another, t- another tool for your belt. And the tool is this. There is no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. You are free. God has washed you clean. He has forgiven you. Now give yourself a break for goodness sake and let it go and let all that unworthiness go. I mean, like, if you, if, if you shouted, Children, dinner's ready. And you had three kids and only two came to the table. And then you found the other one and said, why are you not coming to eat dinner? I'm not worthy to receive the... You would think, dear goodness, how am I... I must be bringing up this kid wrong. I must be emotionally damaging this child if they think they have to grovel to receive something from their parents. Church, your heavenly father 
is your parent. He loves you as a child. And when you say, I'm not worthy to receive, he's saying, I sent my son for you. He lived and died and rose again for your salvation and your forgiveness. I have declared you not guilty and forgiven. Now will you give it a rest and come to the table and enjoy my blessings? That's what he's saying, church. Now, how do we develop a stronger relationship with God then? You know, how, how do I know what is His will? How do I, what is the relationship between praying to change things and praying to change me? They're not separate things. We, we looked at them in two separate messages, but they're actually the same thing. And in John 15, Jesus talked about it. And this is what he said. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. In other words, spend time with the Lord. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time abiding in him. Spend time in his presence, in worship, in his word. The more time you spend with him, the more you'll be changed on the inside. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Hey, you don't want to be withered. I mean, it's bad enough as you get older, looking in the mirror before you step into the shower in the morning and realizing, oh my goodness, I'm getting withered. But, you know, the Bible says the outer man perishes, but the inner man is renewed every day. You don't want your inner man to wither. You want it to be renewed. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words, the promises of Scripture, abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear my, uh, much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You see the relationship? Jesus is saying, actually, the more you change in prayer, the more things will change in prayer as well. The more you abide in him and his words abide in you, and you are resting in the finished work of Christ, and you're being changed, the more you'll be able to pray and see things change as well. And lastly, when we come in, is there a concise description of what prayer is? I mean, do I need to like say a lot of words and try to twist God's arm to, to answer my prayers? Or is there a nice, concise example of what prayer is? And yes, there is. It's in Matthew chapter 6. And here's what it says. Matthew 6 says this, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. You know, they used to put up, do a big religious show of prayer. He says, truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. 
And then he gives us the famous prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, put God first. Acknowledge who he is and what he has the power to do. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. You're praying to change things on earth. Give us today our daily bread. You're praying for personal provision in your life, and you're also praying that you would change. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive others of theirs. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours are the kingdom, the power, the glory, and the glory. Amen. In this prayer, we are acknowledging who God is. We are praying that we would be changed. We are praying that things would be changed. And we are praying that God would be glorified in all of it. Now, in a moment, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray the English translation from the Aramaic version of the Lord's Prayer, which is worded slightly differently than this one, which is translated from Greek. And the reason I do that is because we are so familiar with this that you could just recite it, you know? Give me 14 Our Fathers and three Hail Mary. You know? But sometimes when the words are slightly different, you have to think about it. But just before we pray this prayer together, I just want to give you in closing some final thoughts in prayer. And here they are. Number one, this is from the last two weeks and this week. Number one, if you're going to pray, pray believing. Pray the prayer of faith. Believe that God is hearing and is answering your prayers. Another one is pray speaking. There is something powerful about the spoken word. God does hear and answer prayers that we silently pray in our own mind and heart. He does, and there's examples in the Bible of that, lots of them. But there's also something powerful about hearing yourself Speak out confidently in prayer. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Make sure you speak out words of life. Jesus said, if you've got faith, you can speak to the mountains that stand before you and say to them, be removed, and they will be removed. There is power in speaking out the promises of God in prayer. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says, Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you need to join a monastery and be a monk and never talk to anybody and just pray all the time? Well, I found a very good illustration of this. It was from one of the famous preachers of a previous generation, Smith Wigglesworth, who had an amazing uh, ministry in healing and in miracles. And this is what he said, uh, talking about praying without ceasing. He said, I very seldom pray for more than half an hour, but I very seldom go more than half an hour without praying. In other words, he just kept an open relationship with God. If something came to mind, he would just pray about it. And when people would say to him, oh, uh, brother, would you, would you, could you keep me in prayer about a situation? He would say, no, no, I can't. I will forget about it. Let's just pray right now about it. And they would pray about the situation right there and then. And then he could forget about it. Go on and believe that the prayer was answered. In other words, prayer without ceasing means 
Fire up a prayer when, whenever the opportunity presents itself. The general way that the Bible teaches us to pray is pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But in all of these things, remember that these are just tools for your prayer belt. And my biggest advice today is pray your own way. Find the best place to pray. Is it in your bedroom? Is it in the living room? Is it in the study? Is it in the garage? Is it when you're driving the car? Is it when you're taking the dog a walk? Where is your best place to pray? Find your best place, find your best style, and find your best time. If you're not a morning person, and I ain't a morning person, I can tell you that. If you're not a morning person, first thing in the morning might not be good, you know? Find your best place, your best style, and your best time, and build your own unique personal relationship with God. And once you've established that, allow it to evolve and mature and change and grow. And if, if you as an individual become a powerhouse of prayer, and the person next to you does, and the person next to you does, and the person behind you does, and the person in front of you does, could you imagine if God's house became a house of prayer for all nations like Jesus said it could be? There would be nothing impossible for a people of prayer. Can you say amen, church? Come on, let's stand together. We're going to put the, the Lord's Prayer up on the screen now. We're going to pray this prayer together. We're going to invite God. We're going to invite God to move in our lives and to change us. And we're going to invite Him to move in this world and change circumstances. So come on, let's lift our hands up high. Let's look at the words here. One of the things I like about the Aramaic is... In Greek it says, our Father in heaven. But in Aramaic it says, beloved Father who fills all things. Isn't that a great image to have in your mind? We are about to speak to our beloved Father who's not just in heaven, but here. He fills all things. So are you ready, church? Okay, let's say it together. Beloved Father, who fills all things, may your name be honored. May your rule and counsel come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Provide me with all I need for today and untie the knots of unforgiveness within me as I let them go and of others' guilt. Lead me away from all temptations and traps and deliver me from all that is evil for the authority to rule, the power to act, and the renown belong to you through all the ages. And everybody shouted, let's give God a praise, church. Come on.